You're listening to The Health Classes You Missed. My name is Monica and I'm a secondary school health teacher with a passion for all things health. Whether you're currently at school or you finished 20 years ago, this podcast will help you understand those topics that may have been skimmed over, considered inappropriate or flat out ignored. So sit up straight, faces forward, let's get into it. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of No Stupid Questions. I hope that you have all had a lovely week. I'm on holidays right now so I'm having the absolute time of my life. (laughs) As you can imagine it's been a hectic first half of the year with my first full-time job and teaching and all of that so I'm super grateful to be able to have this break and believe me when I say teachers need it. During the break, I've actually been creating a sex education, respectful relationships, consent, all of those things into a unit. And I was thinking about how I could potentially adapt the classroom activities and the presentation that I've done into almost an online thing for you guys. So maybe something that I upload to YouTube. I know I did pull the listeners the other day about whether or not you guys would want me to film these episodes. I'm unfortunately not filming this one just because I haven't gone and bought anything yet. Um, But I thought maybe that would be a good idea as well to kind of put mini lessons up. Maybe they go for like half an hour or something. I can condense them, chuck those up with a PowerPoint um, and kind of go through that. I don't know if that's something that people would be interested in. I know sometimes it's easier to learn visually and, you know, maybe that might work better for people or for particular topics where I really need to show things. I don't know. I am rambling, but I am kind of planning on beginning to start filming all of these things and chucking them on YouTube. So um, anyway, let me know if that's something that you would be keen on. Please come to my Instagram and send me a message and let me know. I am always open to feedback and ideas. So please help a girl out. Anyway, let's get on with today's topic. So today we are looking at a super effective form of contraception. We are looking at intrauterine devices or otherwise or more easily known as IUDs. Now there are two main types of IUDs. We've got the copper IUD or the hormonal IUD. And the hormonal IUD is sold in Australia as the marina. So when I'm talking about the marina or the hormonal one, uh, I'm talking about the same thing. So as you might be able to tell from the name intrauterine, these small contraceptive devices are actually inserted into a person's uterus in order to prevent pregnancy. Now, of course, this doesn't have to be the only reason that someone might get an IUD, but it is the main reason generally. It is a form of contraception and it is to stop pregnancies. Important here to note, though, they do not prevent STIs. So remember that you always need to use a condom if you want to uh, keep yourself, I guess, safe or prevent getting an STI. Now, the special thing about IUDs is that they are really effective because they last for so long. So the copper IUD can actually stay in the uterus for 10 years, up to 10 years. So a really long time there. And the hormonal IUD or the marina can last for about five years. 
they are also more than 99.5% effective at preventing pregnancy. So you are really, really unlikely to fall pregnant if you have an IUD. In fact, according to Healthline, less than one in a hundred people using an IUD will become pregnant in any year. Of course, The IUDs do not have to be in the uterus for 10 years or for five years or for that long at all, and they can actually be taken out at any time. So that's a really positive part of them too. If someone was thinking, oh, you know, I don't want a baby, and then all of a sudden they go, oh, actually, yes, I do. You can just take it out. It's actually fine and it's safe and it doesn't doesn't matter when you do it. So firstly, let's look at the copper IUD a bit more. So what does it look like? What does it do? And most importantly, how does it work? So the copper IUD or both IUDs actually, they look like a kind of a uppercase T or like a fish hook. The copper one in particular is a small kind of T-shaped plastic and copper device. So if you can imagine the T standing upright or the fish hook kind of standing upright and then some nylon string hanging from the bottom. The horizontal part of the copper IUD is wrapped in a thin copper wire with the other part being plastic. Now, this sounds super weird, right? Like what does putting this tiny plastic copper device in your uterus actually do? How does it work? So what it does is it releases small amounts of copper into the uterus consistently and over and over again. Now, the copper ions actually changes the fluids in the fallopian tubes and the uterus, which makes them inhospitable to sperm. So sperm cannot live there. In addition to this, it slows the transport of the egg, so the sperm and the egg meeting is delayed as well, and it changes the lining of the uterus to make it unable to support a fertilized egg. So sometimes it can make it a bit thinner. So like we talked about before, another option for people if they're not just using it for contraception is if someone has really, really heavy periods, it can decrease the amount of uh, endometrium or the lining of the uterus, uh, which can help with that with really heavy periods. So that might be another reason someone gets the IUD. The hormonal IUD, what does this do? So again, it looks similar to the copper one, but it's all plastic. So there's no copper on the marina or the hormonal IUD. It is still T-shaped or kind of looks like a fish hook, but uh, yeah, as we said, no copper wire. So how does this one work? Because if there's no copper, what does it actually do? So the marina or the hormonal IUD, it slowly releases the hormone progestogen into the uterus. And this thickens the mucus in the cervix so the sperm is stopped from reaching or fertilizing an egg. It also thins the lining of the uterus and can suppress ovulation as well. So again, if you're someone who has really heavy periods, this might be something that you'll look into as well. They're very, very similar, both the hormonal and the copper. Obviously, they work a little bit differently, um, but the main kind of difference between them is how long you can have one of them in. There's also a cost difference as well, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. So what do I do if I'm listening to this and I'm going, oh, that sounds like something I want. What if I want to use it? What do, where do I go? What do I do? Where do I start? So in Australia, you will need to go to your local GP and of course, talk to them about your options. There are so many different options of contraception. So make sure that you find the one that's going to work for your body. 
Now, some GPs in Australia can do the insertion and the removal of an IUD at the clinic, but others might refer you to a specialist or a gynecologist. Either way, uh, you will be given a script first and you will need to head to the pharmacy to actually buy the device, to actually buy the IUD. Now, hormonal IUDs are covered by PBS or the Pharmaceutical Benefits Scheme. So they cost around $40 without a healthcare card and $6 with one. So that's pretty affordable for most people, uh, especially if you are a, a concession card or a healthcare card holder. The copper IUD though, it isn't discounted for a healthcare card and it can cost anywhere between $70 to $120. So it is a little bit more pricey for the copper IUD. Of course, remembering that one lasts about 10 years and another five years. So if you take that into account, it does make sense for the price. Any additional costs that you might have to deal with here will be the actual insertion or removal, especially if you go to a specialist. Of course, Medicare rebates or private health might make that cheaper as well. So once that's all booked in, you've been to the GP, you've gone to the pharmacy and you've picked the IUD up that you've chosen, you've booked in an additional appointment to get it inserted, what happens next? What actually goes on in that appointment? So as I touched on at the start, the IUD is inserted inside the uterus, always by a trained doctor or nurse. And again, as we talked about, the IUD has a string that hangs down and this string actually remains outside the uterus. So it kind of comes out through the cervix and it just sits there within the vagina walls. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't hurt. You shouldn't be able to feel it or touch it or anything like that. They're just there for when you need it removed. And of course, the removal should also be done by a doctor. Please do not try and remove it yourself. Um, it's definitely safer to go to a doctor and do that. Now, this is where I needed to ask for personal stories because I had a really horrible experience with my IUD and I kind of just wanted to share some tips or tricks here to help other people. This can, of course, be an awesome form of contraception that you just don't have to worry about because it lasts so long. You shouldn't feel it. It shouldn't give you any pain. It should be, you know, really easy to deal with. So please, as I talk through this, just remember that every single experience is really different. I just wish that someone had explained more to me when I was going through this process because there were a lot of things that I found out afterwards that my specialist did not make me aware of before. And I think that was probably the key issue here. So again, I would really recommend people to make sure that they talk through every option and just make sure you've got the right questions. You do a little bit of research yourself even um, and yeah, go to the appointment ready. But essentially what happened when I got the IUD inserted, I was told to come in, take some painkillers first because it can cause a bit of cramping, a bit of discomfort. Then when I got there, the, the specialist actually told me it's, it's often good for women to be on their periods during this process because the cervix is actually softened and it's a lot easier to put the IUD through the cervix because that can be quite a process, especially if you've never been through childbirth. So there's all these variables that kind of come into play here, uh, but this wasn't the case for me. So they decided that it was okay to do anyway. 
I actually ended up passing out due to the pain and pretty much went into full body shock, which was kind of scary at the time. Uh, the doctors also almost acted like this was really abnormal. I had to stay for a few hours to make sure that I was okay. Um, I couldn't leave on my own. Actually, I drove myself to the appointment because I thought I was going to be fine. It was kind of just this 10 minute procedure and then I was leaving. Of course, that's not really what happened with me. Um, so I decided to kind of ask about it because in my research, I've seen a lot of other stories where people have gone through really similar experiences. And I think my doctor was probably just pretty bad at letting me know about how it might feel for me. And that's why I just really want to push that. Make sure you do have questions that you do go in and you you take some, I guess, a bit more of responsibility for it than I did. I just kind of expected people to let me know and tell me, which realistically we should be able to do that probably within the healthcare system, but that's not always the way that it goes. So important to make sure you do a bit of research on your own first. I will add in here that uh, when I had it removed, it was nowhere near as bad as when it was inserted. So that part didn't hurt really at all. Now, in saying that, a few of you guys sent me your own story. So here are some others. First one that I got was about the copper IUD. And they this person told me that they had really painful periods due to a copper overload. So this was something that just didn't work for them. Someone else messaged me and said they got the hormonal or the marina and uh, they had a really positive experience, especially when getting this inserted. They actually got put under and this was only about $100 out of pocket to do this. So, I mean, if you don't have a very high pain threshold or you're like me, maybe, I don't know if I even have a low pain threshold, but I think that that would have been an awesome option option for me to know about. I didn't actually even know that this was available, but I would 100% recommend that if you're thinking about going down this path. Another person went to their local GP. They weren't given any pain meds and actually couldn't get it inserted due to the pain. But another friend of this person was actually giving numbing spray and apparently this worked really well. So maybe that's something that you could ask for. Another listener said that it was really good to help with their endometriosis. And again, another person said that the copper caused them to have heavier periods, so they actually did end up getting it removed. So as you can see here, there's so many different stories. So it's so different for everyone. And the general consensus from people telling me was that if they got it inserted um, and that was fine and they were able to do that, once they had it in, it was a really awesome experience. And I'll talk a little bit about that kind of what happens or what you can expect in a little moment. It's also just important here to kind of highlight the importance of going to a doctor who actually specializes in women's health, um, if you can, and making sure, again, that you ask questions, you really search through which option is going to be best for you, and you go prepared and knowledgeable and like you feel, you know, you've got that autonomy over the choices that you've made and your body, that's super important. So let's move on now to talk a, a little bit about some side effects. So with the hormonal IUD, you can sometimes have cramps for the first few days after insertion. It can actually come out in some circumstances. It's not very common, but it can happen. Your period will change. So uh, spotting or bleeding is common for the first kind of three to six months. And then most people will only have light periods or no periods at all, which actually isn't harmful for you either. So that could be really great for some people, kind of not having to have a period for five years. 
Other things here include headaches, skin changes, mood changes, uh, tender parts of your body like your breasts. These things are common but usually don't last and again are kind of just around that first three to six months. Now the copper IUD is similar. Uh, you might find that you have spotting or bleeding for the first three months. Then you should be able to have a regular bleeding pattern. Another side effect though is that you might experience heavier periods. So we heard that from a few of the stories that I got sent in. Uh, that might be a side effect for some people. Some other possible risks include infection. So this is a really small risk and usually only happens right after insertion. The IUD might move, so it can actually move and penetrate the uterus sometimes, and this causes the IUD to sit kind of in a place that it shouldn't. Now, this only happens about every one in 500 people, according to Better Health, so that's a very, very low risk. Uh, but if it does happen, you do need keyhole surgery to get it removed. And again, I touched on this earlier, but it could come out or be expelled. According to Healthline, you do have a higher chance of this if you're using a menstrual cup, uh, if you're under 20, and if you've never been pregnant. Of course, if you do ever have any long-term pain or you end up having your period for a really long time, you should always consult your GP or your healthcare professional. Again, go in, ask questions, see what's supposed to be happening. According to Better Health, there are a few times when an IUD might actually not be a good option for some people. So for example, you have a uterus that isn't the usual shape, you have a pelvic infection, with the hormonal IUD, you shouldn't use one if you've been treated for breast cancer or you have liver disease. And the copper IUD, you shouldn't use it if you already have heavy periods, you have low iron levels, things like that. Of course, once again, these things are super individual. What works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for another person. Always, always make sure you have a thorough appointment with your GP and talk through all the options, see what works for you. Your GP should be able to provide you with the necessary information. So they might send you home with some pamphlets, things like that, so that you can go back and have a think about it and decide for yourself. Remember how important it is to listen to your body and do what is best for you. The IUD might be an awesome option for you. The pill might be an awesome option for you. I will cover these other types of contraceptions in further episodes. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, make sure you're not doing it just because someone told you to. Listen to yourself. Do what you need to do for your body. That is all for me for today. I hope you learned something about IUDs and you feel a bit more informed about what they do, how they work, and whether or not they might be a good option for you or someone in your life. Have a wonderful week. I'll be back in your ears with a very exciting guest episode next week. See you later.